Hello and welcome to the Cup Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Tori. Hello, Internet. And Craig. Hello. No Dave. He had to work lots of hours, many shifts. Uh, he'll be back at some point. But we have Tori back for the first time since we started Mistborn. Hooray! So uh, that means we get to hear all of her thoughts on Mistborn. Yes. So many thoughts. I have a lot of them. And the chapters this week are very good. Yes. There's a lot of stuff. Uh, but first, let's do good thing. Uh, Craig, why don't you start us off? All right. Octopath Traveler. Bam. Slam dunk. I have, a friend at, I have a friend at work who's uh, super into it right now, too. Oh my gosh, it is so addicting. Like, So, I normally like uh, a job system in my RPG, so it's like why Final Fantasy V is my favorite, and Final Fantasy III, I think, is really good. Uh, which which is a bit of a, I guess, controversial opinion. I don't think many people like three, but I like three. Um, and Octopath has that a little bit, because you can have a secondary job on your characters, so you get the sort of mix and match that way. But it's just it's just very addicting. I've already sunk in like thirty hours. Uh, I'm only less than halfway through the game, as far as I can tell, and it's it's pretty pretty good. It's nice, wide open. I can go do my things. Look at different storylines, get lots of stuff. It's, it's pretty, pretty fun. Cool. I'm going on a trip, uh, as I might have mentioned on stream. I don't know. I'm going on a trip next week. I'm of course going to be bringing the Switch, so I can continue to play it even when not at home. Neat. So I um, finally get to try out the Switch's uh, transportability handheldness. But yeah, it was like $60. I'm like, should I really or should I wait? And I'm like, eh, I sort of want to play it. And then I'm like, like I said, 30 hours in. So we're only talking like $2 an hour. That's not bad. And I still apparently it's going to take 100 hours to beat the game. If you want to do everything is what the dev said. So we'll see. Um, I'm going to go ahead and do my good thing next. Uh, Tori, you can finish this out here because my good thing is happening right now. Which is my new cat playing with her favorite toy, the plastic <laughs> ring on a milk jug from, like, Under the Gap. You know, cats are so good that way. You give them a box, you give them some trash, that is the best thing in the world. Um, yeah, we have probably hundreds of cat toys spread throughout the house, you know, under shelves, behind the TV, you know, just everywhere. And no, she doesn't care. Uh, but little, little tiny plastic ring that she can pick up and carry around in her teeth, which is <laughs> freaking adorable to watch. Yeah, yeah, that's her favorite thing. Um, so this wasn't originally going to be my good thing, but she's playing with it right now. It's probably going to come through on the recording. Just want to let everybody know what those weird noises are. That's my dumb cat. Have you tried giving her like a paper grocery bag? Um, she actually, she actually climbed inside one of those, uh, the other day. And I then like, I, I like to leave them laying on their sides because one of my cats will run in and out of the bag as uh, if it's the door to Narnia, like just top speed <laughs> into the bag, out of the bag, into the bag, yeah. out of the bag. We didn't get any of that. She actually like climbed into the bag and laid down and then was very confused when I picked the bag up with her in it and moved it across the room. <laughs> um, so yeah. That's my good thing. Tori, why don't we uh, why don't we get to yours? Okay, well, um, would this be the time I should share that story you told me to share on the podcast? Well, I mean, that doesn't have to be your good thing. Uh, I was thinking we could if have a little bit where we all told our stories of that nature. Oh, okay. Well, then my good thing is uh, it's going to be a book, and it's not a Sanderson book, and it's not even, like, literature. Um, it is The Meg by Steve Alton. Don't know that one. Is that is the movie about the giant shark, was that based on a book? It was. I didn't know that. How? So what happened was, at the library during Shark Week, a little girl came into the library and she wanted shark books for Shark Week. But they were all checked out because Shark Week. 
So I got on the catalog and I was doing a search for anything shark related that I could hand this little girl. And I thought, well, you know, maybe the Megalodon books in the dinosaur section are still there. So I, I did a search for Megalodon books and um, I did find something to give the little girl, but also those came up, those titles. It's a series of about five books, I think. And uh, they all start with The Meg. So the first one is The Meg, A Novel of Deep Terror. And I thought, mm. is that related to that movie that's coming out? So I got on IMDb, and Steve Alton, the author, is listed as a writing credit for the movie. So um, I got a hold of the first book, and I read it, and it does exactly what it says on the tin. <laughs> like, set your expectations low, and... It's a fun read, and you'll enjoy it. Cool. Yeah. Sorry, I had to mute myself. My phone was ringing. Ah. It's okay. Um, we can edit that out later. By which we mean you can edit that out. <laughs> yeah. More work for Mike. Um, okay, so let's go ahead and get started on our chapters this week. Uh, we did Mistborn chapters 7 through 9. Which, the end of chapter 8 is actually the end of part 1, and if I'd known that ahead of time, we probably wouldn't have gone into chapter 9. But we did, so so let's do that. Okay. Who's in charge of this? Uh, my book got stolen, so I'm on audiobook, so I don't know this stuff ahead of time. I can't look it up. Your book got stolen? Uh, loaned out and never returned. Ah, uh, one of those. Which... <sighs> I have, like... Two copies of Mistborn. So I have the one fancy uh, professionally bound ones that my wife got me that have been signed by Sanderson. And I also have, you know, the paperback. This is what I read at the beginning copy. Uh, and I might also just buy the ebook version as well because I like throwing money at Sanderson, apparently. Mm -hmm. Apparently, if you buy the ebook version and the, uh, the Audible audiobook, like, they sync up. They do indeed. That is a thing that happens. Like, how does one accomplish this? Do you do this on Amazon? Yeah, you just buy the Kindle version, and you buy the Audible version. Uh, Audible is owned by Kindle. And oh. then the two of them, um, because you're using the same Amazon account for both things, then... Oh, I see. Audible Audio Edition, free with Audible Trial. Book yeah. one of five in the Mistborn series. What? That's not the right number. I know. I'm trying to see what's in here. Like, I can see three, or I can see six, or I can five see... Five books, let's see. Like... Final Empire, Well of Ascension, Hero of Ages, Alloy of Law, and it doesn't list the fifth one. It just sort of stops at four. <laughs> claims are five. What? That's Amazon, nonsense. go home, you're drunk. Yes. Anyway, I could buy the Mistborn Trilogy on Kindle ebook for 23 bucks. Yeah, but that one might not sync with the audio version. I, I, I don't audio. Ah, well but, then. But if you did, you'd know how to pronounce things. <laughs> Meh. Kelsey Say it with me now, Mario guys. <laughs> Mario guys. <laughs> Everything's a Mario guy. That's Wait, not how you've pronounced it literally every other time you've said it. Mario, you happy? Yes. Is this what you want? All right, Tori, what happened in Chapter 7? Oh, oh, am I doing this now? Is this the thing? I, I hope thought, you read it. <laughs> I thought this was the thing. Yes, and I have notes. Okay. <laughs> chapter 7. Take that, future Dave. <laughs> Okay, so at the end of Chapter 6, um, Marsh showed up. So, Chapter 7. It's the first time Kelsier has seen Marsh since he's been back. Uh, Marsh is mad at Kel for killing the guards at Keep Venture. He doesn't think Kel's supporting the Rebellion for the right reasons. They talk until he changes his mind, however. He says he'll be back to talk more tomorrow. Kelsier knows Vin is eavesdropping. Scene change. Vin pretends she wasn't eavesdropping. Kelsier lets her know he's on her, but then says they're starting her training. He gives her a mist cloak and a vial of metals. They head out into the mists, and Kel explains about burning metals. They go through pewter, tin, copper, bronze. 
when they get to Iron and Steel, Kelsier says they're going to hop over the city wall. That's chapter seven. <laughs> well, you missed a thing. Chapter eight. Hang on. Hang on. You missed a thing. Huh? You missed Vin trying okay, to kill herself with a nail. <laughs> right. Now, I mentioned that they get moved on to Iron and Steel. I was summarizing. It's a summary, Mike. But Vin tried to kill Google herself. I think we should let the expert continue. All right. <laughs> but yes, when uh, Vin decides she's going to practice iron pulling without knowing what it is and uh, tries to kill herself with a nail and it's humorous and Mike can talk all about that when I'm done summarizing. Uh, by the way, I want to talk about this in the spoilery section, uh, but I, ha- I want to call back to this nail pulling, killing thing. Okay. Okay. Chapter 8. They balance in the air a bit uh, as Vin learns to use her powers. Kel has fun freaking her out. Then they go over the wall and out into the countryside. They find a mist wraith, which is really gross. Like, props to Sanderson for the description Mm, there. And Kelsier tells Vin about them. They meet a coach on the road waiting for them. A terraceman named Sazed is the driver. They head to the town of Feliz to meet the fake Lord Renew. Vin acts mistrustful of Kelsier, and he explains he won't force her to participate in the job. He offers to turn the coach around and take her back to the city. But then she says she'll stay. They get to Renew's place, and it's impressively clean. Kel and Renew leave Vin with Sazed a minute while they talk privately. She notices that Renew's servants seem happy and learns that Sazed, despite being Terrace, is not really a fan of the Final Empire. When Kelsier and Renew come back, they establish Vin's fake relationship with Renew will be that of a country cousin in town to be social. They ask Sazed to be her coach in courtly manners. That's the end of Chapter 8. Chapter 9. We're in Part 2 now. It's a few months after the last chapter. We see Vin practicing her allomancy with Kelsier on a misty night. She's doing very well in a short time. She heads back to Mansion Renew, where Sazed has someone waiting to give Vin a proper haircut. While she's stuck in a chair for that, Sazed tells her about Trellism, one of 562 religions he knows. He says men will have need of the old religions when the Lord Ruler is overthrown someday. They review her knowledge of the Luthadel court and her own cover story. Elsir gets back and compliments her haircut. Vin steals Sazed to talk privately. Away from Vin, he asks Sazed frankly about her progress and emphasizes the need to get her ready. Sazed suggests that Kelsier let the other Mistings help with her allomancy training instead of trying to do it all himself. Kelsier likes that idea. He asks Sazed to go with her to parties and social functions as her attendant and guard. Sazed promises to do so. Kelsier lets slip that he's sending Vin to a ball at Keep Venture within a week. And that's my summary. Okay. It was like I was right there. Um, so yeah, Vin tries to kill herself with a nail. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's all you took from this. Oh no, there's a bunch of stuff. Like There's a bunch of stuff. We get a breakdown of the uh, eight basic metals that we haven't really gone into before, uh, since sure. we did cover soothing and rioting at least a little bit beforehand. Yep. Um, we get... At the start of Chapter 9, we get a cool action scene where Vin and Kelsier try to kill each other. Mm-hmm. Um, Vin gets a haircut, and Kelsier, like, dads at her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't tell you, but he dads at her. Um, there's also other stuff that I want to get into in the spoilery section. Mm-hmm. Which, are we ready to go there yet? And Dave will just have to deal with this being a 15-minute episode for him? I mean, that's sort of what's going to happen, since we can't, we don't have uh, a new reader to sort of ask what their thoughts are, especially because at the end of chapter, or sorry, part one, we can at least say, hey, look, we can talk a little bit about Allomancy, like, what do you think of it? Is it cool superhero-y stuff? But, you know, he's not here, so we'll have to do that next week or whenever. Well, here... Here's a plan. What if we do our Sanderson stories now before the spoilery section? That works. Uh, So, Tori, you, I think, have the best one. So why don't we save yours for last? 
All right. Uh, Craig, I think I yours mean... is better than mine, so why don't I go first? Okay. That's fair. Uh, okay, so I met Brandon at a signing for A Memory of Light, uh, which was the final Wheel of Time book. Um, this was in, like, this giant, I think it was a Barnes & Noble, like, in the Chicago area. It was super-duper massive. Um, there was this incredibly long line, a ton of people there. Um, I got to, like, I didn't get to ask him a question during the Q&A. Uh, but I did during the, like, actual physical signing when I was about a foot away from him. Uh, but it was a Wheel of Time question. It was kind of uh, a deeper thing, and he didn't have an answer ready, so he sort of passed me off to uh, one of the Team Jordan folks. Uh, yeah, that was that was the time I met Brandon. So, Craig, yours is better than mine. Yes, yes, I guess it is. Um... So I met him at Balticon, which is the sort of like a science fiction slash fantasy, um, just a general convention that they had in Baltimore, of course. Um, it was the whole reason that I decided to go. I had a coworker who was trying to get me to go for a while because I'm into, you know, science fiction and fantasy books. But it's like Sanderson's going to be there. I got to go. So that's when I, where I got my fancy bound books uh signed i did not ask him a question um but he did use his good pen he's like oh well since these were like so well done i'm gonna use this better pen for a better quality i'm like nice <laughs> uh, but he was also doing a magic the gathering draft and originally i would i did not sign up for it uh because i wasn't necessarily into magic again but i'm like i could be sitting there with sanderson Fine, I'll do it. It was at like 11 p.m. or something crazy, and I knew it would take hours. I was tired, but I'm like, I'm doing this. This is why I'm here. I'm going through with this. So I went to a draft. I found out I sort of like drafts. I made a deck. Uh, I, I didn't. He decided to sit aside from everyone doing a draft because he was giving away prizes. And so it's like he sat aside and you could challenge him for one game, you know, when you're done. Uh, so I did do that thing, and my deck beat his, and I was fanboying the whole time. And looking back, I'm like, I'm so embarrassed with how I acted. <laughs> um, but I'm like, how cool it is that eventually it's going to be uh, what what his plans are for Mistborn. Uh, and unfortunately, it was just when Words of Radiance came out, and I didn't read it yet. And there were people there who wanted to ask him questions on Words of Radiance. And I'm like, sorry, guys, I haven't read it yet. So they couldn't ask him with me nearby, and I feel bad. Um, but I guess they asked him out with me out of earshot. And I don't remember anything in particular. I just remember gushing over like him about how, how good the stuff is. And I stayed up super late. And my wife was... She wasn't... She didn't go to the Magic uh, the Gathering draft. She actually went back to the hotel room. But it was like super duper late. And I'm like, it's worth... <laughs> All right, Tori, you have the best story, so hit us up with that. Okay, this is the story of how I met Brandon Sanderson and fangirled all over him. So my best friend, Sarah, who is also a librarian, uh, found out that there was a contest to win free passes to Book Expo America, and it was open for librarians. So Book Expo America, it's in New York City, and it's a, a, a publishing expo. Um, so most of the people there are writers and publishers and bookstore owners, but they do have a few tickets for librarians every year. And uh, Sarah said, you know, we should, you should enter this contest. So I did and she did and come to find out it wasn't a random drawing. It was first come first serve. <laughs> and since we both saw the announcement right after it was posted and we both signed up we both got tickets to book expo america so best friends new york trip publishing conference it was going to be amazing that's really cool yes and then i found out that some really awesome authors were going to be there and brandon sanderson was among them so the day that he was doing the book signing uh this I want to say it was in 2013. It was right after um, Wheel of Time finished. So when I saw Sanderson was going to be there and I, I had to get in line to get his autograph, I had to. So 
Sarah and I got up that day. Uh, we waited in line for two hours so we could be at the front of the line so that we could be sure that we would get an autograph from him because at these, at these conferences, they just give away the books. You don't even have to buy the books first. So this was a brand new, um, uh, rhythmatist had, had just come out and, or it was coming out within a week. I don't remember. Um, some of the authors were giving out advanced reader copies. Like that's how new the things were. Um, but I, I think rhythmatist was an actual book and not an advanced reader copy. Um, so we were at the front of the line. We waited at the front of the line for two hours. And by the time he got there and he sat down, I was so excited. Like I had, I had hyped myself up for this. I was oh, so dear. excited. And he sat down and he had his Sharpie ready to sign this book. And, and I, I stood at the, in front of the table and I said, if I could have two minutes of your time, I'd like to go total fangirl on you. And he waved his hand in the air between us and he said, proceed. <laughs> like, like that's actually what he said. Proceed, <laughs> and you make his. So I take ring. a deep breath. <laughs> I feel like he gets this a lot. So I take a deep breath and I said, "Oh my gosh, Miss Bourne was so good. I loved it so much. I feel like the end of that trilogy was the most perfect ending out of all the endings ever. And also, I, I'm a young adult librarian, and can I just say, Alcatraz versus the Evil Librarians is so popular with my kids. I have been recommending it to my my students and kids like the whole time I've been in library services. And and even my husband loves your books, and my husband doesn't read anything, and. I just want to tell you what an amazing accomplishment that is. And uh, also when you autograph that book, please sign it to Matt because I'm going to give it to him. And so I went on and on and on about how great he was and how much I loved his books. And I wasn't even reading the Cosmere stuff at the time. This was just purely based on Alcatraz, Mistborn and Wheel of Time. And, and after I was done fangirling, he, he seemed a little flustered and flattered and like he was almost embarrassed at how how much praise I had heaped on him in such a short time. And, and he, so he was very sweet about it. And he says, Oh, thank you. It is so nice to hear that people enjoy my writing. Do you have any questions for me? And I froze like complete brain blank. I, I was not expecting him to speak to me and I had no response ready. <laughs> and, like, I, I didn't know what to do or what to say. And I just stood there in front of him, just looking at him. And it was just this long, uncomfortable silence. And right about the time the smile on his face was faltering, my friend Sarah, my dear friend Sarah, elbowed me sharply in the ribs so that I would remember to, to <laughs> breathe. And <laughs> so, so, so he had asked, did you have any questions for me? And after... I think I probably stood there in silence longer than I spent telling him how great he was. Did you have any questions for me? And I said, no. And Sarah sighed this long suffering sigh. <laughs> and she grabbed me by both shoulders and said, thank you. We'll be going now and drug me away from the table. <laughs> and so that's my story of meeting Brandon Sanderson and getting his autograph. And yeah, that is, that is significantly better than mine or Craig's stories. <laughs> all right uh spoiler time sure spoiler time spoiler time uh yes you be warned here be spoilers yar this concludes the spoiler free section of our podcast if you are as i am reading along for the first time we recommend that you stop listening now as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book but for other cosmere books as well there may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. Ralphie gets the Red Rider BB gun that he wanted, but he does not shoot his eye out. And Is this where we cool. kick out Ufir? Uh, yeah, Ufir, if you would like to not hear stuff about um, later Mistborn stuff, I don't yeah, see, think we're going to get thing. into any Stormlight. I'm not really planning to, but... right. So that's the thing. Once you fear, once you actually read most of Mistborn, like obviously the trilogy, but also maybe series two, you at least get into that. Uh, you 
can't really participate in the spoilery sections. I mean, he can. We're, I'm not his dad. I mean, if he get if he wants to get spoiled, sure. Um, all right. So, yes, in these three chapters, we get the introductions of the final members of the crew. Those being Sazed and Renu, aka Orisur. Is that how you say it? That, That's yeah. not how I say it. How? How do you say it, Tori? Or sir? Dang it. Okay. I say Orsier. <laughs> At least one of those might be right, maybe. Oh, but Tori well, listens to yeah. the audiobook, though. Well, I'm also listening to the audiobook, but uh, yeah, Tori, Tori is our Tori is our pronunciation guide. So, Orsir, Orsior, Orsir, Orsir. You know All right. what? It'll be easier when I can say ten soon because I can say ten soon. <laughs> um, additional things of note: we have our first look at um, mist wraiths, and as Tori pointed out, they are gross but also super duper cool. Um, Kelsier implies that They're weird. Kelsier implies that the older ones become Chandra. He doesn't outright say it, but he is wrong. That is that is something that the Chandra have very quietly spread uh, as misinformation. Right. Because they, they don't, don't want anyone to know about the spikes, and nobody knows about team allergy at this point. Well, um, no one in the group. Wait, no one at all? Like, Kelsier doesn't know? No. How would Kelsier possibly know about team allergy? I don't know. I'm I'm just not sure when the information is finally revealed or how. It's been a while since I read Mistborn. Uh, it's later, for like, sure. Like but Kelsier it's knows... in book one, though. It's definitely in book one. But hang on, though the um, the Chandra choose their their next generations from the Mistwraiths. What if they do pick the old ones? Well, there's okay. That's possible, but simply being older isn't the thing that turns a Mistwraith into a Chandra. Right. Um, so do we even see Mistwraiths anymore in in Era 2? I don't know. Because I don't think they were ever mentioned. They mentioned Coloss because Coloss eventually breed and you have half-breeds. Yeah, you get right. Coloss-blooded people. And in the Gentleman Adventurer short story, which <laughs> was called... Alamancer Jack. Alamancer Jack and the Pits of Eternity. Eternia? Which was surprisingly fun to read. Oh, it was incredibly the good. Editor. Um, in that one, we actually see that there are still, like, full-blown uh, Coloss who still spike yeah. themselves. Right. And we also have, at the end of Bands of Mourning, when uh, Milan loses her spikes, she reverts to a mystery. Yep. But yeah, I don't I don't remember like anything about just regular old mistrates anymore in Era Two. Yeah, no. Because huh. it's funny you're you're talking about the summary, and I'm like, oh yeah, their thing. Because that's sort of where the Chandra come from. But I'm like, are there any more? Okay. I don't think Ufir got major spoiler. <laughs> what are you doing, Ufir? All right. Um. Well. It could be that they're still around in Era 2, but just it's a geographical thing, because you get them out in in the countryside, right? Like, they're not right, in right. the city. And um, so in Era 2, um, Luthadel's been replaced with Elendel, and it's this It's the basin, city. so you're not... They're not yeah, in the basin. The so. basin. Dude, it's so fun. Like, the first time I got Alloy of Law, I'm looking at the map, and I'm like looking at all these names. I'm like, I know what this is from, dude. Ooh. I was, I thought like the attention to detail so good. Like this, this is how you do it right. Time has passed and technology has improved. There's references, religion, culture, like things relating to the past. But it's not like let's just continue to how things were. Like this is an actual. I can see how humans evolved and the culture and everything has evolved 
from that starting point to 300 years later. Like, right. it works. And I love catching little references to things that are from Series 1. So good. Um, additional points of note is this is also our first time um, having uh, Sazed preach a religion, and the first religion he preaches is Trell. Yep. Um, which is, like, the description that's given is that Trell, each of the stars in the sky is one of Trell's thousand eyes. And given that the current fan theory is that Trell is autonomy, who tends to make, like, pantheons, and is is going kind of hive mind with it, um, I'm wondering if that wasn't always. So, so keep in mind that there's the religion Sazed preaches here, which I think is Trellism. Yes. And then there's the religion in Era 2, which is Trelgism or something like that. It's, there, there is a different word, and sure, maybe it could have changed over time. But I remember the first time I, I heard it mentioned, and I'm like, no, this doesn't, this doesn't feel right. Like, it's like, why would an old religion suddenly just pop up again as to be the one that's in conflict with Sazed? I'm like, something else is going on here. Uh, but that that is a good point. If it does happen to be related to autonomy, as in one of autonomy's avatars, because that's what she does, is make avatars on different planets. It's sort of appropriate in that case. Which maybe is why Trellism was adopted. Trellism, Trell. Because that, that was one of the neat touches I also really liked about uh, Mistborn. When Sazed had both shards, and I'm like, he is the perfect person to recreate the world because of his copper mines, and especially the knowledge of religion that sort of defined certain things. Like, I, I just love how he touched, like, the, the religion of the stars in the sky, so therefore he can tweak the, the planet's uh, orbit to be correct. That was uh, this Talking one. about plants, flowers, things like that. So he can recreate that using that knowledge. I'm like, he's actually the perfect person for this. Um, one final thing I think I have is the epigraph for chapter eight um, features. Let me pull this up. Actually, I want to get it exactly right. See if I've got it. You've got it. He shall defend their ways, yet shall violate them. He will be their savior, yet they shall call him heretic. His name shall be Discord, yet they shall love him for it. So, a couple of oh, things yeah. going on here. The first, <laughs> the first is that this is sort of a shout-out to what Sazed goes through over the course of this trilogy, before he officially right. becomes the Hero of Ages. Yeah. The second is that this quote uh, forms the core of a theory that Craig sent to me at one point. Uh, that Sazed, as the holder of the Shards of Ruin and um, Preservation, isn't actually uh, Harmony, and is instead Discord. I'm not actually sold on the theory, but it's one that Craig sent to me, and since I'm aware of it, it deserves a shout-out. You know, I feel like it is appropriate. We've seen... Have we seen? Actually, give me a moment. I'm trying to think. So the the shards we've actually seen, like by canon, what we've seen, we've seen ruin, we've seen preservation, uh, we've seen odium, and briefly we saw cultivation. Mm -hmm. And like that's it. We haven't seen the other shards yet. Um, there is that fan theory going around that. Essentially, the Shard of Harmony, which is what Sazed is currently holding, because it is one shard now, even if he thinks of them as two different things, it's technically now one shard. Uh, but apparently, like if you look at the, the term Discord and Harmony, they're technically two opposites of a very, very similar theme, like Harmony and Discord. So 
perhaps this is true for a lot of shards where they can be the direct opposite, but in which case we haven't seen that ruin ruins opposite would be preservation. Like they were probably the most opposite of shards given all the other shards. Um, so I'm not sure if that's a thing that can happen and if Harmony can turn into Discord. But there is a theory going around that that's the case. Um, I will certainly say I'm worried about Seizad, given what he's talked about in Era 2 with his talks with Wax. And I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm a little worried for the guy. And I hope he can figure it out because he, he has to figure it out or Scadriel is in trouble. Well, I mean, I've I've mentioned before on here my own personal theory as to what was going on there. Uh, sure. Which is that um, Sazed was actually offering, like, he was putting out a job offer to Wax. To, like, basically, he gets to step down and retire and move on to whatever his next thing is. And Wax takes up the shards and potentially gets to use them more effectively because he doesn't think of them as two separate shards shard. and as one shard. Yes, it, it will be one shard that Harmony drops. Right. Um, and certainly someone who interprets it as one shard would probably do a better job. But keep in mind that a shard does tend to modify the person over time, which is why we have like AT, who used to be this really cool, fun guy to hang out with, changed into Ruin. Like He bought Hoy to drink once. Sure. Um, so it's like... Maybe eventually the Harmony Shard will change Seized so he no longer has to think of them as two shards because he can no longer do so. It's just going to take time. Um, You had said that you had something about the nail trying to kill Vin? No, well, I just wanted to talk about iron pulling um, and lurchers. So when I first read Mistborn, I'm like, you know what? Steel pushing so much more useful. Like, look at how Vin gets around. Vil and Vin and, and Kelsier. And like, wax. how they move around. It's like, pushing is like the way to go. And then you get iron pulling. Like, can't really move effectively in, in error one. But then you get Mistborn error two. And you get wax. And you find out he's an, an iron puller. No, and like, he's not. Oh, man. No, he's a steel pusher. He Wait, had... I thought he pulled iron. No, he pushes steel. He has iron metal mines to adjust his weight. Did I mix that up? Oh yeah. my god, I'm so embarrassed. Alright, here's here's the thing. With iron pulling, you basically get to Spider-Man around the city. Yeah, exactly. It's really good for, like, modern era or just industrial era because there's so much metal put into buildings. You have skyscrapers, things like that. It works. And you can you can pull to get around like it's not it's not like crippling well i wouldn't say it's crippling like there were definitely some useful things you could do with with lurchers uh that you see but yeah it's just like it's interesting how it's i remember first reading and i'm like i could see vin not really using iron pulling like she uses it a little bit to get around so being a mistborn she's able to effectively combine the two of them rather than just sticking to one but well, in era one, I mean, all I think every lurcher that we see is just some dude who has a shield and yeah. and soaks up coins. Right. Like they couldn't like Brandon couldn't think of a better, more effective use of being able to pull bits of metal to you. And yeah. I can't honestly say that I can either off the top of my head. Well, he's definitely doing a better job, I think, in Error 2. Oh, yeah. Because there was... I remember there's a, a fight. Like, Wax is, like, trying to get away, and there's some lurcher that's sort of chasing him. Uh, I want to say there were, like, a pair of them. One was a... One was an iron puller, the other was a steel pusher. Yeah, and, yeah, like, they worked. They worked really, really, really well together. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to do a shout out to how much it is, it's improved and it makes sense given that there's so much metal to be found in other things once um, we get to Era 2 and especially Era 3, I'm sure. Tori, I believe you had said that you had started on Bands of Mourning? Uh, I finished it, actually. Okay. 
so yeah, what, you wanna you wanna talk about that? What did you what did you get out of Bands of Mourning? Well, it was very informative as far as identity and investiture because, uh, like, I, I still need to read Oathbringers, so that then I'll be done with the Cosmere and all caught up. But um, pretty well, Bands of Mourning is the first time we get into identity and uh, identity and connection are the big and ones. Connection, yes. Capital I, capital C. Right. Yep. And um, I loved the book. I it's my favorite era to Miss Warren so far. Um, just I feel like is that the, the one first? with Staris and the uh, on the train, and he like rescues her. Yes, yes, dude, I love it. It's so good. Like that is when that is essentially the scene that I went from met on Staris to I'm like, oh, I like Staris. Yes, I read. Really- How did he do this? Like, she yes. was so boring in book one. Yes. And now I'm like, yeah, Wax slash Stars. Yes. Mercy, sorry. You're just, just, no. It just doesn't yeah. work anymore. I'm upset that it took you that long to be on board with Stars. Uh, book, I, and, th- but I, no, this is credit to the writing. I don't think you're supposed to like Stars in book one. No, but by the end of the book, you you're supposed to be able to figure out what was actually going on there, and like she's a consistent character throughout. Yeah, and it's just that you don't necessarily have all the pieces to put to put it together right away. But like she's she super duper likable right away, eh. if you yeah, know what's I, going on. Okay, maybe I'll I'll get it on the reread. But you have to understand, my first read, I'm like I like Marissi, Marissa, sorry, Marissi, Marissi. Mercy. Oh, you know I'm going to pronounce things wrong. Yep. Mercy. Her name is Mercy. <laughs> Wait, what? Did... Mar Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. Anyway. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just like I, I love these little things. I'm like, wow, Staris is sort of perfect for wax. And it's like right around then when she's like enjoying being with, with, with uh, wax steel pushing around and like flying in midair and she's like is getting a thrill out of it. I'm like, oh man. Um, that actually seems to be kind of a common thread that like most of the characters in various Sander works are just like super into flying and throwing Not themselves Marassi. around. What what is it? Mer Marissa. Say her name. Marissi. Marissi. <laughs> Marissi. She hates it. Flat out hates it. Well, then I guess it's good that she doesn't steel push or iron pull. Um, yep. But we actually get that from Vin in in this in these sure. chapters that like yeah. she's she's actually super into it. We get it from Kaladin. We get it from probably some other people that I can't Kaladin think of right now. Owns the sky. It's his thing. Yeah, like, but before yeah. he owned the sky, he was still into it. Well. The- it's it's okay. You're you're picking out characters. This is their thing. Like they can do this. It's their domain. I'm talking about like Stairs, she can't do this. She needs wax or someone else to do it, and she really digs it. I don't think Wayne cares. I mean Does Wayne's got even, his like, whole other set of things. Sure, sure. Well, so so the point is Stairs is perfect later. for wax. I was going to say, when they're in the airship later at the end of Bands of Morning, uh, Wayne is kind of hanging over the rail to look at the ground below and uh, talking about how great it is. Okay. And so there I'm we go. Sure, no, was it between Wax and Wayne uh, when they were getting back to Ellendale and, and Wayne's like, you got to look at this. It looks so great. Look at this. And, and Wax is, is like, yeah, uh, I see this every night. <laughs> And Wayne says, bastard, that's not fair. (laughs) But regarding Staris, um, I kind of, like, my opinion of her kind of started to change at the end of Shadows of Self when, um, and and Wax mentions this in Bands of Mourning, but after he's killed Lessie the second time and um, is grief-stricken, Steris was there for him. Like, I saw that at the end yeah. of 
Shadows of Self. Uh, so when he mentions it again in Bands of Mourning, I was like, yeah, hell yeah, she was there for you. Um, because you see, you do see at the end of Alloy of Law that her feelings toward him have changed. Yes. Um, but he doesn't really start catching on until then. So I, I should be fair. It wasn't that particular scene that I liked Stairs. I think I liked her in Shadows of Self. I just, that scene to me really stands out. And a lot of little things like how she plans on being uh, captured because she's supposed to be the damsel in distress type. Like how she organizes everything and plans for uh, Wax's excursions because that's what he does. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's like, she's super aware and it's so cool that she can like fit so well with the group despite just not having any powers it's just her her job and her skill set is organization yes and and i totally feel like if i was in a fantasy novel like if i was in a fantasy heist novel where everybody had their own talents and their jobs like that that would be mine right there i am totally useless like in Bands of Morning, Steris talks about her usefulness scale. On a scale of 0 to 100, I think I might be a 7. But she's wrong about that. She is she, very useful. Here, yeah, hotel she's, owner she's is a list of possible emergencies that may happen because we're here. Right. Apologies right. in advance. <laughs> there may and then be when explosions. they flee later, she's yelling back out the, out the coach window. <laughs> Framed for murder, page 17 of the list I gave you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that is that is still my favorite scene. Not not the leaving the hotel, the entering the hotel. Right. It's so <laughs> good. My only disappointment about the Era 2 Mistborn is that I at least felt the twist, the quote-unquote twist in Bands of Mourning was super obvious. Except the cat for the characters, it wasn't directly obvious that his, you know, that his sister would be uh, part of the whatever organization. Oh, that's the twist you're talking about. Yes, exactly. That was the twist, but it's not much of a twist. And it's sort of revealed about what, three quarters of the way through? That wasn't the twist. That was a twist of like half a dozen twists. There were a bunch of twists. A bunch of twists. I, I was sort of dissatisfied, though, with Bands of Mourning in, in that for that particular part, not like in like the whole thing, just that particular thing, well, mostly yeah. because of how obvious it was. Duh, of course, his sister was working with them the whole time. Right. But it's just that the characters themselves were oblivious to it, or at least Wax was. Yeah, I think Wayne actually like pegged to it pretty much right away. Yeah, he would. Yeah, he would. So I'll have to reread and see if it sits better. I mean, you I mean, should anyway. I, They're just really fun. No, I'm, oh, I, I, I like Arrow 2 because we get, like, Industrial Revolution plus Mistborn. Uh, Allomancy, I should say. Allomancy plus Industrial Age. Nice. Like, Industrial Age. I don't, I don't really like steampunk. I like legitimate industrial stuff. And that's what we got. I'm like, that's so cool. Um, one thing I enjoyed in Bands of Mourning is when Wax gets a hold of the actual Bands of Mourning, it shows off exactly how ridiculously overpowered a full Mistborn, full Ferrucamist is, and should have been the whole time. Just... Like, basically a Lord Ruler. Yeah. I mean, the like, Lord like Ruler... It really, bring... it really brings home to you how the Lord Ruler held his seat for a thousand years. Yeah. Except that he didn't have access to, like, what was it, four medals? Well, they just hadn't he might have had access them to them, just didn't know about them. Yeah. Except like he, ATM he, still you're a Mistborn, I don't too. think you get you can get be half a Mistborn and only have access to, like, eight, ten, twelve medals, whatever, however many they actually knew about. Well, right, Plus but the God if... Medals. If the time metals like didn't exist at the time, like just couldn't be, yeah, I, I knew which he knew about them, but that they just didn't, they they just weren't made, and because it talks about in era two how the metals are 
like we know about them, but they're still rare and they're hard to produce. And yeah. And we also find out later about how the Lord Ruler is suppressing technology. Yeah. Um, maybe it's because he doesn't want those metals to be found. I think maybe. he did it for a lot of reasons. Like they essentially had gunpowder before and they basically had to forget. Thanks well, to Lord right. Ruler. Okay. A lot of what the Lord Ruler was doing was really just like trying to keep some people alive long enough that he could fix all the stuff that he broke last time. Like that was that was sort of his guiding principle for a thousand years was make sure some humanity lives through this until I can fix all the stuff I broke. It's sort of heavy pre preservation. Yeah, no, no. Preservation Heavily loved the preservation guy. Influence. Yeah, exactly. The, the, this is what... So what happened for a thousand years is essentially what would happen if preservation was more in control. Like, that's the sort of thing that he would like to see. Mm-hmm. It is not pleasant. I mean, ruin is also not pleasant. They're both not pleasant. Like, preservation is sort of scary to think about. He wants things timeless, frozen, perfect. Um, there's like that's, a... That's not living. It's not just about preventing decay. It's about keeping things as they are. So that prevents yep. growth also. Yep. There's a set of villains from Discworld that actually have that as their sort of major stick. The auditors. Yep. Yes. So I'm actually really glad that Harmony exists now because it's sort of like you get both. You sort of need both in order to grow and advance. And yeah. Um, all right. I feel like we're pretty well running dry this week. Oh, I, I could talk about a lot of things. Well, we're also almost to an hour. Uh, I did recently watch the movie. Chris Evans was in it called Push. Yes. Um. And I got this vibe of like different alamancy powers. I'm like, oh look, he is a he's doing a copper cloud. And like, oh look, they can the the pushers themselves are essentially using I mean it's a greater degree, but they're essentially rioting and soothing. I don't think I've watched it again since I read Mistborn, but I'll have to do that. I have it. Eh, I mean it's it's okay. Uh I didn't like how the movie ended, but I was just getting the vibe of like all these different Alamancy powers. I'm like, yeah, this this actually fits in and is really appropriate that I'm watching this now since we're talking about this. All right, then uh, final thoughts. Does anyone have any? No, we'll talk more later. Yeah, next time. Okay. Uh, so then, have a good one. Bye. Good night, Internet. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at CosmereCast. Or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.